0: good morning everybody Merry Christmas take a brief moment turn to somebody and tell them Jesus is born to you all right turn around give someone a gold Christmas blessing Jesus is born to you you know you get to Easter and we say he is risen and then we say back he is risen indeed. I think this Christmas we can say he is born and we can say he is born to you. Oh, we could say indeed. <laughs> I like that one too. You guys made Christmas. Well, we made it. Here we are. We made it to Christmas Eve. You got your kids dressed and more importantly, you got yourself dressed and you got the Christmas lights up. Anyone struggle getting Christmas lights up this year? Anyone else with my boat with me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you know, we got the tree trimmed. And you got your gifts wrapped. Come on. Uh, unless you're like me, and you did not. Anyone here like me? Not get their Christmas, all their gifts wrapped yet? Any honest hearts? You know it's a cinderland church. There we go. There we go on the back, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it done. Oh, finals. We got finals done. Yes, finals. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> finals are done. All right, guys. You know Christmas is a time. It's supposed to be jolly and joyful, but it's also a little crazy-making and a little messy sometimes. Anyone got some crazy this Christmas going on? Yeah. All right. You know, I was, I've been studying the Christmas passage for the last couple of weeks, and I've been saying to my wife, whenever she is stressed or I'm stressed, I've been like, you know what? You're stressed? You're feeling stressed? You're actually a little more in the Christmas spirit than you realize. Because the first Christmas was crazy. So I wanna walk you through some of the crazy of this first Christmas, all right? We heard the story, but let's walk through it again. Number one, uh, you know, Christmas for Mary and Joseph wasn't easy or comfortable, and it wasn't always the most peaceful moment in their life. They had to travel 70 miles from Nazareth to get to Bethlehem, all right? That would be like if today you said, okay, hey, it's Christmas Eve, let's all walk to Disneyland, from here All right? You know, they weren't rolling in their escalades and in their land rovers. They were walking, and maybe maybe it's possible Joseph had a donkey. We don't know. It's actually not in the Bible that Joseph had a donkey, but it's assumed. But that's a long track. So they were probably exhausted. So I want to help you guys get in touch with your emotions <laughs> this Christmas. They, so they, they're going to Bethlehem. It's a census, so everyone's crowding in. It was crowded. It was hard to find a place to stay, right? There was no guest room available for them. There were no parking spots at the local mall for them. It was frustrating. Frustrating, right? I tried to go to Trader Joe's last night. Good luck. Good luck. They now... The other messy thing about Christmas is the best part. You know, sometimes it's being around friends and family. Family, we love you, but you can be a little crazy and make us a little crazy. And it was also sometimes a little awkward. Can you imagine the first Christmas, there's Mary. She's pregnant, but it says she was pledged to marry. She was not yet married. So imagine that conversation at the dinner table. Oh, oh, the baby. Oh, but Joe. hmm. So how did that, what? Awkward, awkward, yeah. Awkward. And then, of course, lastly, um, there's these stories, these rumors of angels roaming around town, scaring the local shepherds. All right, so we're going to call that strange. And sometimes Christmas can be a little strange. So here's the thing. Things were messy at the first Christmas. But in the midst of the mess, God was doing something amazing and good. And there's a A little message or a little lesson for us this Christmas in that fact. I want to read to you verse 9 and reread it to you. In the midst of all the messiness, the messiness of giving birth, the messiness of the travel and the crazy crowds, listen to this. An angel of the Lord appeared and he said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Let's say that again. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy. Yeah, there we go. For all the people today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And here's the point for this morning. Often it's in the messiest places that God is doing his greatest work. And I know it's a bit of a trope, of a Christmas trope, you know, the, the messy Christmas. But And that's the title of my message. It's a messy, messy Christmas. And indeed it was. But to be serious for a moment, you know, I want you to hear this. It's in the messiest places of our life that God is doing his greatest work in us. It's in the messy places of the world that God is behind the scenes working things out for his glory and our good. That's what we're going to talk about today. How amidst the mess of of this period, Jesus's birth is good news that brings great joy. And I just want to highlight three reasons why Jesus's birth is great joy for us that brings, or good news that brings great joy. The first reason is in verse one. Let's go over this verse again. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone, now everyone, so again, it's crowded, it's crazy, went to their own town to register. Let's talk about the census, all right? The census is actually the context and why they're in Bethlehem and why we always sing about Bethlehem. So let's talk about why the census was happening right here. So Caesar Augustus wants a census. A census has two purposes. Number one, it's a way way for a ruler to measure the glory of their reign, right? Because he's like, let's just take inventory of all the people that have to do what I say that have to go where I go, right? So Mary and Joseph were under that rulership and the Israelites having to travel and disrupt their lives because of the census was a reminder that they were not free and that they were not in charge of their own life. You know, this Christmas, we have um, a lot of kids here, right? Come on, let's give it up for the kids. Yeah, kid, we're so glad you're with us. Kids, you have a better sense of what Mary and Joseph were going through because you are living under your parents' rule. You know, they tell you when to go to bed. They tell you when to do your homework. They tell you when to shower. They tell you what to eat. You know, you're under their charge. And, you know, this moment, um, it represents something seriously, though. The idea that the census is why Joseph and Mary are going to Bethlehem, it represents those forces and powers that are at work in the world that can leave us feeling small, powerless, vulnerable, and can even make us feel like, man, where is the world going? When we watch the news and we see these larger forces at work, maybe it's what the war between you know Israel and Hamas, or maybe it has to do with politics. We're going into 2024; it's an election year, and maybe it's like you know politics crazy, right? You're thinking, oh no, here comes um, the circus again, and or maybe it's just the economy, or it's you know your coach who won't give you the play time. Maybe it's your boss, or maybe it's your parents. But it's those forces and powers in our life where we just don't feel in control right? That's what the census is for them. And I want to highlight this idea here that what Caesar thinks is for his glory, God is actually using for his own glory. So Caesar is doing the census because he wants to measure the breadth of his reign. He wants to prepare people to be taxed, right? That's what you do when you rule people, you tax them, get, get, get more money. Now, Watch what God is doing. Because in the 8th century B.C., the prophet Micah made this prediction in chapter 5. He said, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, out of you will come out to me. uh, One will come out to me that is to be Ruler. ruler in Israel. And that's what the Israelites are longing for, right? They're longing for a ruler who will set them free from their oppression, from Rome's rulership or... At that time, they were under other rulership, right? They were facing Assyria, the Babylonians. But here they're looking for a ruler to bring freedom whose goings out are from of old, from ancient times. So what's fascinating on the surface to Mary and Joseph, to everybody else, it looks like Caesar is in charge. But the truth of the matter is God is in charge. And behind the scenes, God is using this larger moment to fulfill quietly his purpose for his glory and for our good. Isn't that amazing? And I think there is joy, great joy for everyone who believes that God is bending all things to his glory and our good, that he is the one in our world working behind the scenes. Even using the things that bring difficulty or strain or fear or worry to our life, He is the one behind the scenes. He is bigger than the Caesars of our world. He is larger than the censuses of our time to bring about his glory. Romans 8, 28 says this. The apostle Paul writes, I love this verse. Okay, let's read it out loud. Let's get into it because it's such an amazing paradigm shifting verse. Listen to this. Let's read it out loud. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Do you know that? Have you entered into the joy of knowing that behind the scenes of all the things going on in the world, God is at work bending all things towards his glory and your good. Well, the second reason for great joy is in verse six. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a Yeah, we got to dig into the manger. It's Christmas. It's the one time of year we talk about mangers because there was no guest room available for them. Now, of course, it's obligatory. So let's get out of the way. We're going to talk about mangers here. And uh, three times the word manger is brought up in verse uh, 7, in verse 12, in verse 16. But it's actually in verse 12, this really specific reference to the manger is really important. I want to draw your attention to it. It's when the angel tells the shepherds, Hey, listen guys, a savior, okay, a Messiah, a Lord, a child of unprecedented destiny and significance is gonna be born. And watch how he lays it out. Watch how the angel says this. He says in verse 12, this will be a sign to you. This is how you're gonna know this important child, this momentous life is entering the world. Ready for it, drum roll you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a a manger. Now, what I love about that is like this incredible child, this incredible destiny is being fulfilled, not in a palace, not in a place of importance or significance, but actually in the place that would make you think the least significant life has just entered the world. In a manger, right? Let's meditate on the manger, All right. um, Let's go. Yeah, here we go. So I don't know if you guys know this, but it's more likely that the manger was not wood. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't even matter. But it was made out of limestone. Probably they find they found hundreds of these in these archaeological digs that they were used sometimes for food, but mostly they were used for water for the animals. Now, here's the point. This is not exactly the ideal scenario for any mother bringing her firstborn into the world. Are you with me, moms? Come on now, are you looking to have your baby born in a manger? It's like, no, maybe in a bathtub, you know, you know, you got your doula, or maybe at Scripps Hospital, you know, we got everything dialed in, but not in a manger, okay? Now, here's the thing about a manger, all right? It's not the ideal scenario. It's not exactly the Silver Cross Special Edition, right? Let's go to the next slide. I, I, want, I went online to find the most luxurious the most expensive stroller thing I could find, right? Because if you're bringing in the savior of the world, the Lord, the most significant child in history, this is what you're looking for, right? I'm expecting God to roll out the Silver Cross Special Edition Rose Gold Balmoral Pram, $61,000, that's a steal guys, handcrafted and coated with 18 karat rose gold, English leather hood and apron, Italian, I don't know what that word is, fabric lining, patented technology that allows it to ride over all terrain smoothly. I I want you to be thinking Escalade, SUV, just boom, just come on. This is the Rolls Royce of strollers. And of course, it's $61,000. So of course, it's limited edition, right? I mean, this is what you're thinking. But a manger, right? It speaks to the humility of the moment in which God set foot on our earth as a child, as a baby, as a vulnerable baby. The humility of the moment. You know, parents, you want the ideal scenario. My wife, uh, when we came home with our firstborn child, I'll never forget, you know, she had the room already, and we're in the room, or she's in the room. I'm outside and some, doing something else, and I hear her scream at the top of her voice. I think something, it, it, it sends shivers up my spine. My hairs are on end, and I'm running into the room and she's she's pointing at the crib and i can feel this dread as i approach the crib to look in what i'm going to see the crib is empty i'm like what's wrong there's she points to the corner of the crib this pristine white linen crib you know dressing and she goes right there and i go what that little piece of dirt no that is a mouse dropping <laughs> let's go to the next slide so a mouse had crawled into the <laughs> into the crib had pooped in the crib, and it was DEFCON a billion, and we were on full red alert. We pulled out all the linens from the closet. They were washed. We, it was, you guys, you would have thought my child had been kidnapped from the room. You would have thought we'd forgotten him at the hospital. And, you know, I think moms, you can relate to this, right? You want everything just right. When you bring the child into your home for the first time, and yet here's Mary, not with a mouse dropping, but in an animal's water trough, right? It represents the humility of the moment. And I wonder if Joseph and Mary ever thought to themselves in this moment, you know, God, you told us this was an important baby. You told us you were with us. Your favor was on us. I'm expecting the red carpet. You ever get like that? You feel like if God is with us, he's gonna roll out the red carpet and make it easy. And I think it can be tempting to think that when God is with us, we're going to know because things are just going to snap into place. Things are just going to, doors are just going to open for us without us, us having to not even grab the door handle. It's when things are going our way, it's easy to think that God's with us. But when things are tough, we think there must be a mistake or we can feel like God is not with us there right? It's when things don't turn out how we expected, how we thought, how we planned, how we imagined it, and we can feel like God is not with us. But I want to draw your attention to the apostle Paul. He has this amazing insight, and it comes from this moment, I think, from Jesus's birth. Because in Jesus's birth, listen to this, guys, Listen to this. This is the heart of this message. It's the humbling circumstance that is the sign that God is with us. He, the angel says the sign will be a child in a manger, a child in a humble circumstance, not in the palace, but it's in the humility and the humble circumstances of our life that God is doing his greatest work for us and in us. That." Is cause for great joy. Because where the world wants to say we should be discouraged and defeated this Christmas, God wants to say to you, no, to you and your humble circumstance, my son is born to you. The apostle Paul had a humbling circumstance in his life, and he prayed three times that it would be removed. Maybe you're in that same place. Maybe you have a humbling circumstance that's not going how you thought, how you wanted, how you expected. You didn't get that promotion. Your test final didn't turn out, didn't get the A you'd hoped for. You didn't get pulled up to the, that top tier ECNL team that you'd hoped the coach would pull you up to. And you're discouraged. And you're wondering, God, are you with me? The Apostle Paul prayed three times, take it away. And watch what God says to him. In this time of humility, God speaks to Paul. This is a paradigm-shifting moment for Paul. Listen to what God said to him. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to make everything easy and work out just like you planned. <laughs> no. For my power is made in Weakness. Now that's, you see, guys, that's unique to the Christian message. In fact, I've been reading Frederick Nietzsche lately. If you don't know Frederick Nietzsche, he's this guy from the, a grouchy philosopher from the 19th century with an oversized mustache who was really, really upset with God and was convinced that God had died. And he had this idea that it's the emphasis of humility by Christians that is the biggest threat to the progress of human society. It's the way that Christians value and see significance in humility, and in brokenness, and in weakness, that is like a virus threatening human society. That was his view. But watch what Paul does with this moment. He takes on a life motto from this humbling circumstance. Let's see what Paul says. He says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly I'm going to brag about my weakness. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be transparent. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to hide it. Imagine that Instagram feed, right? Like, here's me before I took a shower. Here are my teeth before I brush my teeth, right? You know what I mean? He's just letting it all hang out. Like, look at this. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's because humility frees us from depending on our power, on our plan, our personality, and it opens us to God's infinitely greater purpose and power in our life. This is the upside-down, topsy-turvy message of the gospel. It's why Christianity's core symbol, if Nike has the swoosh, Christianity has the cross, and the moment of Christ's greatest humiliation and weakness because it's in that weakness that God's power is made perfect in our life. You see, it's in the humbling circumstances that we're tempted to think that God has left us. My friends, it is the, it is the sign. Your humbling circumstances are the sign that God is with you. Because he humbles us so that more of his power can rest on our life. He's like, oh, you know... We've gotten, to the, you've, we've gotten to the outer boundary markers of your strength, of your endurance. And God's like, I want to bring more power, more of my grace, more of my goodness in your life. So we're going to blow out the fences and we're going to stretch. You know, when you're working out and you're getting stronger, does it feel good? No, here's the irony. When you're working out and you're getting stronger, you feel weaker. Your muscles burn. When you're running and you're expanding your endurance, your lungs burn. It's that burn that tells you that you are getting stronger. And that's what our humbling circumstances spiritually are about. That the power of God might rest on us. Jesus' birth is good news to everyone being humbled because God is with you. That's Christmas. That's good news. Now, I want to get to the third and greatest reason that Jesus' birth is good news that brings great joy. Obviously, it's not because everything's worked out, because we've got our best on, because all the gifts are wrapped, or because everything has gone as we expected. It's because where we're not in control, God is working. Where we are being humbled, God is with us. But here's the third and best one. In verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news is that what? Today. I wanna draw your attention to the the present tense and the personal tense of this verse. Let's read it out loud together. Pay attention to how it's present and it's personal. Here we go, verse 11, let's read it out. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. That's why, okay, pause, that's why I'm saying. This Christmas, let's say Jesus is born and we say Jesus is born to you. And you know, I'm rubber, you're glue, it bounces off me and sticks to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus was born. Yeah, he was born to you. Come on. And uh, he is, What's we what did? He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, I want to invite the band out. As the band comes out, I just want to create a little holy moment of pause for us as a church. Um, you know, Christmas is a lot of traveling and family and a lot of fun. A lot of stuff going on. But church is partly to create a space to pause, to look into the soul, and just to really connect with what this amazing year is all about. All over the world, there's like, People are being stirred to want to celebrate. Even non-Christians who don't know or care that it's about Jesus, they still want to celebrate, right? Trader Joe still wants to bring the peppermint bark every Christmas to Trader Joe's, right? They're not saying it's for Jesus, but we know, we know, we know, man. Come on. If Jesus is born, bring out the peppermint bark. It's time to get crazy. Thank God they don't carry that all year round. You know what I mean? If you haven't discovered Trader Joe's, you have this, never mind. Okay, let's move on. Here's the point is... None of the other reasons make sense unless this is true that Jesus is Savior and that in Christ, a Savior was born for you. Now, as the band goes into this song, I just want to invite us to pause and slow down and just take a deep breath. And let's just open our hearts to the presence of God with us right here, right now. that Jesus' as savior speaks to how Jesus is gonna enter the mess of our sin and our brokenness. The very circumstances that make us think, oh no, God is not here, God is not real. If there's brokenness and sin and injustice in the world, where is God? God is in the manger, he is coming. He's coming into the midst of our humbling circumstances. He's working behind the scenes because he's a savior who's come to enter the mess of our lives to save us. Now, this is what's so amazing about the idea of humility. It was at Jesus' most humbled moment, at his weakest moment, that Jesus did and performed his greatest and most powerful act in his life. On the cross, Jesus was naked, beaten, abandoned, rejected by those closest to him, But in his weakest moment, he did the most powerful thing any human being ever did in the world. He brought the saving grace and power of God to men and women who are in sin. So that anyone who is humble enough to admit they need saving, they need rescuing, there is salvation, there is forgiveness, and there is healing in the name of Jesus. John 1.12 puts it this way. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen to this, guys. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of, of God. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago so that today he could be born in your heart and that you might be born again. As we go into this 2024 year, I just wanna give you guys an invitation. What if 2024 is about opening our life to 2024 2024 being a, a year of intentional spiritual journey towards Jesus? The vision of our church is to pursue Jesus together for renewal renewal in our life renewal in our friendships and our family and renewal in the world and in every generation so i want to invite you if you're at that time in your life where maybe you haven't been coming to church and you're here this we're so glad you're here i love that at christmas it's our most packed house day jesus deserves it but maybe you're one of those people out there that's like you know i haven't been going to church i haven't been that connected to god but what if 2024 is a year of spiritual renewal for you And I want to invite you to get connected to this community and to allow God to bring renewal to your life, to your family, to your friendships, because Jesus was born today to be your Savior. Merry Christmas, everybody.